The intro. BeastNet is brought to you by James Safety Services. Here we discuss all things fitness, running, rucking, endurance, obstacle course racing, and more. Welcome to the BeastNet. Hey everybody, welcome to BeastNet. You got Brother Boggs here talking with Tony Matisi of the Legend of Death Race podcast. And then he's got a bunch of other ventures going on right now, and we just want to talk about them. So, Tony, tell us about yourself. Hey, how's it going? Uh, yeah, i um, got a lot of stuff going on. I uh, used to be the former director of Spartan Endurance and uh, created the whole endurance program that is now in 15 countries. So you had, you know, the hurricane heat. Uh, that was already existing when I was there. But I brought together the 12-hour Hurricane Heat concept and launched that back in, I think, 2014. And then we continued growing the program into the 24-hour. We created the Agogi um, and a lot of those really fun events that are now in all of these countries all around the world. And uh, currently, I'm working on a couple other things. So I've got the Spartan, or I got the Legend of the Death Race podcast, um, which is part of the Spartan Death Race. And the idea was uh, I went out and did a few of these death races. Uh, so I competed in 2012, 2013, and 2014, and I uh, wanted to capture like the essence of that event, and I also wanted to capture what I believe is my three uh, virtues for basically conquering life's obstacles. So you have courage, right? You need to have the courage to start whatever it is, and it doesn't have to be a death race. It can be anything, and then you have to have the power, and that's not just physical power, but you know, mental power, too, to overcome the obstacles that you're going to face while you're trying to get good at whatever this thing is that you're trying to start. Right. So if you're trying to write a book or if you're trying to launch a podcast, or if you're trying to get a new career or whatever it is, you have courage, start power to conquer, but then you have to have the wisdom to learn from your mistakes, from your failures, from your successes and apply those things. And that, that creates your wisdom. Right. And so with those three things, those three virtues, you can conquer any of life's obstacles. And that's kind of what the book is all about. The book is all about conquering life's obstacles. And so when I was putting this whole thing together, the idea was, okay, um, you know, this death race story is amazing, but every person who competes in a Spartan death race. And for those who don't know, the Spartan death race is like this 60, 60 to 70 hour event that, you know, takes place in Pittsfield, Vermont, the home of where Spartan was born. It's actually how Spartan was born. Uh, Joe and Andy, so Joe DeSena and Andy Weinberg, they were creating these really, really, really hard events out there. But of course, you're only getting like 50 people, maybe max, whatever, back then before it kind of got big. And they were like, how do we get this to the masses? And so they decided to create the Spartan race from that. And so kind of a little quick background on that. But, you know, the death race is this event where there's no start. There's no finish. Like it's not defined. It's not like there's a starting line that you walk up to. You know, you can be you can actually be working for two, three hours doing stuff, thinking that you're in the race and that it's going on. And all of a sudden they're like, okay, guys, the race starts now. And you're like, wait, I just did like three hours of work for nothing. Are you kidding me? So it's a really, really interesting event. And um, they're constantly, the race directors are constantly trying to break people. They're trying to get people to quit. Um, That's their goal. They want to make you quit because they want to find out who's the most resilient human beings, the people that can overcome any of the obstacles they put in them. And they're not just physical. Some of them are very, very mental. They will try to get in your head. You know, they will find the things that annoy you. They will find the things that kind of just set you off and they will try to break you. And so because of that, every person who participates in the death race has an entirely different experience. 
And so when I was writing the book, I wanted to include all of these stories from other people because it's such an interesting event. But I really quickly realized that, you know, my 300 page story is pretty long. And then you add in another person's story and another person's story. And next thing you know, I'm going to have this like 50,000 page book. And that's just ridiculous. No one's going to read it. And so uh, I had an epiphany about a year or so ago when I was on Red Mountain, um, just doing a fun summit in the middle of winter that I should do a podcast instead to share the rest of the stories, because that is a way I can actually share everyone's legend. And then my book can be my legend. And so that's kind of how it all came together. You have the Legend of the Death Race book, which is coming out March 10th. And we're doing a launch party actually here in Seattle uh, in Pioneer Square at this place called Erndel Books. It's um, on First Avenue and everyone's invited. Anyone who's anyone involved in Spartan or Endurance or anything, I would love to have you there. I want to hear your story because I'm starting a new book and the new book is going to be all about anyone in endurance. Why do people do these things? Why would someone go and try to endure these crazy events, right? And so I want to collect stories. So I want people to come share your story with me. Um, and we're going to have a great time. Cliff Bar is actually sponsoring the event. So they're sending us a ton of Cliff Bars. Um, and we're going to have you know champagne, wine, all that stuff. We're just going to have a great celebration because this has been a book I've been working on for the past eight years. Uh, and then the podcast is basically now uh, got 16 episodes going so far. And we've got another you know 10 or so in queue. And it's all of the stories of other death racers. Yeah, the amazing thing about Death Race is the number of people who don't complete it. Uh, usually they start out with 60 to 70 participants, and it's usually around a dozen that complete it. Because like you said, they're trying to push you past your limits, really. Yeah, so in, in its heyday, uh, I'd say you know 20, 2011 to 2014 was really like the big years for Death Race. Because uh, I think it was 2010 or 2011, New York Times put out like a really, really epic video. And that's kind of what got a ton of people interested that were curious about, Hey, how far can I go? How many, how, you know, what is my limit? And so in that day, you actually getting like two, 300 participants. And then the event went into like a little bit of a, a retirement, kind of like a Michael Jordan. And now it's back. And uh, since it's come back, it's starting to regrow its um, user base, but you're only getting like 70, 80 to hundred people now. Um, but either way, the goal has never been hasn't hasn't changed. It's always been to have like a 10 to 20% finisher rate. They try to keep it very, very low because they're trying to find the best of the best humans out there that are like willing to just do whatever it takes to get through this crazy masochistic race. What's uh what's one of your favorite as a participant? Because I know you completed it twice, if I remember correctly. What's your favorite memory of that event? Honestly, my favorite memory is um so in 2014, um at that time, I was working with Spartan Race. I was, you know, the direct, I was the director of endurance. I was um, very much involved, and so I actually got to play a lot of roles in uh, directing death races. Not the summer one though, because the summer one I was a participant, and so I had zero intel on that. They did not allow me to have any intel because they knew I was participating. But for winter death race, Mexico death race, I got to have a lot of like insight. <laughs> Um, and so at the winter death race that year, I was there as a media reporter and also, you know, helping to direct it a little bit. And they did this challenge called, uh, basically it was just like a challenge up and down Joe's mountain. Uh, and that one was, you know, you have to do so many laps and if you don't do enough laps, you don't finish basically type of thing. Right. And so you had to hit that, but they didn't tell you how many laps it was. And then they finished the race with that, that event. And so they brought that same event back to the summer death race that I was participating in. And in my head, it was about 
they were, they, we, they'd been talking about how they wanted to get the death race to be more of a race. They wanted to kind of shorten it a little bit because it was getting to be just so long. I mean, the 2013 death race went like 72 hours and it's just, it's exhausting for everybody. The, the directors, the racers, the families, the crew, it's just really exhausting. So they were kind of like talking about like, Oh, we want to make it more of a race. We want to get it back to like a little bit more manageable time. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, cool. Maybe they're going to try to make this thing more like 48 hours instead of like the 60, 70 hours. Right. Boy, was I wrong. But uh, so around 40 or so hours into the race, they decided to do that same challenge where it's run up and down Joe's mountain. You had to get at least five laps. They did tell us that you had to get at least five laps to continue. If you didn't get five laps, you were going to be cut. And so I took off. I was smart that a lot of people took off and they brought their rucks with them. I stopped. And normally it's not good to ask questions because sometimes that can be bad. But I was like, I just want to verify rucks, no rucks. I don't want to get in trouble if I don't take my ruck. And they're like, no, no rucks. You can, you can go without your ruck. So there's a bunch of people going up with their rucks and I take off running up there because I have no ruck on and I'm flying and I just start crushing laps. Um, I'm going up and down, up and down. And suddenly I realize I'm, I'm the leader. I am just, I'm a whole lap ahead of Mark Jones. I'm a whole lap ahead of Mark Webb. All these guys that I look up to as like athletes, I'm in the lead. And I was like, holy cow, how is this happening? And uh, it's kind of funny because Rob Barger to this day, We'll always talk about how I was a Tony, quote unquote, coming in hot Matisse, because on the way down of every lap, I'd just be bailing down these this stone staircase that we built actually up and down Joe's Mountain. And I would have to go a little bit off trail because I didn't want to hit anyone uh, with my recklessness. And I'm bouncing from tree to tree, grabbing on branches, using them to propel myself down this mountain as fast as I can. It's about a mile up, about a thousand elevation gain up. It's about a mile, you know, back down, thousand elevation down. And uh, I know on my first lap or so, I'm doing 25 minutes up. My, you know, as the laps go on, my my ascent is getting longer and longer. And it's probably around 35, 45 minutes by time I'm doing my seventh, eighth, ninth lap. But interestingly enough, I'm getting better at navigating the downhill each time. And I'm screaming out, coming in hot on your left, like, madman every single lap trying to make sure i don't barrel into someone and my descent went from being like 10 minutes my first lap to six minutes my final lap it felt like my toenails were disintegrating when i was going down it in my head i thought holy cow i just lost all of my toes like my toenails are gone i'm gonna have like nothing thankfully when i took my socks off they were fine and intact um but i thought that that was the end of the race i was like that's why i gave it my all I was like, this is going to be the end. Like, they're going to do the same thing they did in winter, and they're going to end it right here, and this is going to be it. Nope. We ended up going for another, like, 18 hours, I think, after that. Um, So I broke down crying. But that, to this day, is my favorite moment because it's where I pushed myself the hardest I've ever pushed myself in my life. And I felt more alive than I've ever felt, probably, during that segment. Pushing yourself is exactly what that race is about. So congratulations on doing that. you know, myself, I'm just starting to get into endurance and rucking and, and that aspect and getting out and doing some of these races, you know, I'm very slow. So everything really takes an extra toll on my body. And then when I watch the elites or I go to an endurance event and I'm watching primarily, it just amazes me what people can put themselves through. And I want to push myself there. Oh, so that's what it's all about. <laughs> when you were directing at the death race, what was your, your favorite, I guess you'd say punishment that you put people through? Um, gosh, that's a great question. You know, it was, it was challenges like that. I really liked putting people through. 
Um, when we were in Mexico, uh, this wasn't one of the ones I came up with. I was kind of definitely more on the social media side. Um, and then always giving like my input on, on things, uh, where we needed to tweak things, et cetera, on the fly. But one of my favorite things was in Mexico. So we're in the Mexico death race. And, uh, this is the first year that we go out there. It's the first traveling death race. And, uh, we start the race off where we put all of these. So we actually take like these really nice luxury buses from the center of Mexico city to this ranch in the middle of nowhere, Mexico. Right. Um, it's like one of the iconic bullfighting ranches and where like they train some of the best bulls for bullfighting. And we're bringing these racers on the bus and then we stop the bus, then get them all off of these nice buses and we load them into cattle cars, literally cattle cars. And from there, take them all the way to the race venue. And then we get to the race venue and release them into a corral where like they're kind of like in this wall area. They can't see anything and uh, they don't know what's going to happen. We zip tie all of their hands together and then we open up the gates. Now, when they get through these gates, they go into a bullfighting ring and there's some young um, female bulls. They're not um, not as aggressive, you know, so it's not super dangerous, but it's still dangerous. And uh, on the other side of that ring is a uh, piece of paper with their bib numbers and they have to run to the other side with their hands zip tied find their bib number then all throughout the middle of this ring are red bibs that they have to go find their bib number and grab their bib without getting hit by a bull that's running after them now granted there's a lot of walls that they can go hide behind you know for safety it's kind of standard um but they've got their packs on you know 50 60 pounds in their packs maybe and so they're trying to avoid the bulls. They're trying to get their bib. They're trying to figure out which one's theirs. They're, you know, holding them up, shouting out the numbers. And to this day, I think that was the most insane thing we've ever done to death racers, but also one of the most like just amazing things to see all of these racers working together to figure out just how they're going to start this race, because that was their start. That is definitely a lot better than having them stand in a line and hand them bibs. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a little bit more of a touch to it, you know? Yeah, exactly. So we kind of touched on the book a little bit and why you wrote it. Going into a little more thought about the book, you know, is there any like blurbs or stories out of that that you wanted to kind of talk about a little bit? So, I mean, we kind of touched on my favorite part, which is the coming in hot. And there's a chapter called coming in hot in the book. Um, and that one is one of my favorite chapters. But, you know, I try to get really raw in the book. I try to reveal what's going on in my head a lot. So, um, in the book, in italics, I usually write like my thoughts. Uh, and so when you read it, you'll, you'll see it's like, okay, I'm having self-doubt at parts. I'm questioning, should I quit? Uh, my first year in the death race, I actually went into the race with a torn shoulder. I had a one-inch tear in my labrum, and I had multiple conversations with my doctor, a couple cortisone shots. He had told me, you know what, you can't do any more damage, so just do your thing, and once you're done with this event, we'll, we'll fix you up. And so... I go through like that whole battle that I'm having internally the whole race because, you know, it's like, can I do, you know, he told me I couldn't hurt it anymore, but I'm wondering, can I have like, will this be like a permanent injury? If I, if I overexert myself, will I, you know, completely ruin my life as a athlete if I do this and I've been an athlete my entire life. So, you know, I try to reveal a lot of the rawness and then also it's like, when you do these things, people do these races, right? Um, a lot of us people who go to this extreme, we're usually doing it because we're battling some sort of demon, whatever that demon may be. Um, and I kind of dive into that a little bit 
And I won't go into too, too much detail here on the podcast because grab the book, you can read about it and get the, the details. But, um, you know, I, I reveal some of those thoughts, some of those fears, some of those uh, just mental battles I'm having throughout this race uh, with, you know, am I good enough? Right. People, a lot of people deal with that question. Am I good enough? And I kind of talk through how I overcome it and push myself on to end up being a finisher twice. So kind of getting really uh, into the depths of the mind as much as I can. And I think it's a very revealing story. That's awesome. I'm uh, looking forward to to reading the book. Uh, have you already started plans to port it into audiobook yet? Uh, yeah, so I've recorded everything for it. I'm just working on the editing process of the audiobook. It'll probably be out a couple months, maybe a month or two after the actual release of the hardcover and paperback copies in the ebook. But uh, there will be an audiobook, I'd say, mid to late spring. That's awesome. Um, one of the things for myself, because I do travel and drive a lot, podcasts and, and audiobooks are kind of my friend because they don't like it when you're reading a book driving down the highway. Yeah, it's not really good, but it's, a, it's such a great way to learn and gain knowledge is to, to grab an audiobook, to grab a podcast and throw that on and just expand your mind. I've found what I like to do now is I'm living out here in this beautiful Pacific Northwest. Uh, I, I love to pop on a good audiobook on my way out to a mountain to go climb. But then even when I'm climbing the mountains and stuff, I like to listen to the audiobook. You know, one book that I really loved listening to when I was climbing one of these mountains, I think where I had this epiphany was uh, The Alchemist. Great book by, uh, uh, gosh, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Pablo. No, it's not Pablo. Paolo. Drawing a blank. Sorry. We'll have to look it up. <laughs> but The Alchemist is a really good book. And it's just being able to listen to those things while you're out there can help help you grow your your knowledge. So the podcast, you talk with uh, people who have completed the death race. Do you take the time to, to bring anybody on that had to bow out yet? Yeah, we've had both. Um, I think it's really important to get both sides, right? Because um, not everyone finishes, right? There's a heck of a lot more people who did not finish than there are that did finish. But what's really cool is some of these people that just didn't finish, they may not finish one year and they might come back another year and finish. And so you can get that story. And so that's all part of the legend, you know, and I've, I've made a point to make sure I bring in both. I think it's, it's important because that's how people are going to learn how to grow from other people's mistakes. So, um, yeah, I have both on there and I plan to continue to release more. I've probably have more finishers right now than I do people who have failed, but I like talking to everyone because everyone's got a story and everyone can learn something. From everyone else. That's awesome. Um, before we got going, we we're kind of talking. You've got a lot of a lot of different projects and things going on beyond just the book and the podcast. Um, did you want to talk about any of those other projects? Yeah. So I also have um, there's that endurance guy, which is kind of like my new. Um, that's kind of what the new book's going to come through is going to come through the that endurance guy. Kind of the idea of just endurance as a whole, whereas Legend of the Death Race is super focused on the the death race. Um, but there's so many kinds of endurance out there, right? There's uh, beast endurance. There's uh, the Sagita endurance. There's the uh, Ironmans. There's the ultra marathons. There's people who like to ride their bike across America. There's people who like to run across America. There's people who like to swim the Gulf of Mexico. There's people who do all these really amazing enduring things like uh, Alex Honnold climbing, uh, you know, El Capitan. These are all different forms of endurance. And so trying to start capturing more of that essence um like i said earlier in the podcast for my new book uh and then on top of that there's uh the, the new sisu 24 
ultra PNW event. Now, CC24 has been going on in California for a bit. Last year, I launched it here uh, in Enumclaw, Washington. Gorgeous, gorgeous place just outside of Mount Rainier National Park. But the, the routes that you end up getting to run are uh, giving you these magnificent views of Mount Rainier. So the CC24 Ultra PNW essentially is an ultra marathon, um, but designed for everybody. So, you know, a lot of ultra marathons are like, this is a 50K, this is a 100K, this is a 100 miler, and that's what it is. That's your distance. This one gives you 24 hours. And during that 24 hours, you get to discover how far you can push yourself. And it's all up to you. So there's six different routes. It's a choose your own adventure. So, you know, some people will run one or two of the trails and that's it. And they'll have, they'll go back to their tent. Uh, we have camping on site. There's also some cabins that you can rent. And basically it gives people a way to explore their potential. And if they're willing to push themselves, they can go all 24 hours and try to run every single trail. Um, we also offer a hundred mile option though, because there's some people who just want to just say, Hey, I want to go for it. And they're able to run the same trail over and over if they want to. I highly recommend not doing that because there's so much beauty to see, like go see as much as you can. Why not mix it up? Um, and each, each trail has a different length, anywhere from like three miles all the way up to 19 miles out and back. And, um, ranging from, you know, I think a thousand five hundred gain up to like almost 6,000 gain uh, on a trail. And, uh, each of these routes, the first time you go to them, they may have a bonus objective. So you get out to the uh, turnaround point, maybe, and there's a, uh, a puzzle that you have to solve. And then you have to come back and prove that you've solved that puzzle somehow. Or uh, one of the trails last year had uh, all along the trail the whole time. It's like, a, I think, an 18 mile out and back or whatever. There was trivia all about Mount Rainier National Park that you can read and memorize. And then when you come back, one of the race directors will ask you, question about that trivia you get it right you get bonus points it's really really good to get those bonus points because the race winners are not determined by how far you go or how fast you go it's about how many points you get and so if you're smart you can capitalize on those that this point system hit all the bonuses at the right times and some of them are only available during certain periods of time so you might have a uh, a challenge like that's like okay at night you know you can go do this one so you better time your trails right to make sure you can go do that challenge at that time so that we can get that bonus during that window of opportunity. And uh, it's a really fun, good time. And uh, Adam came out to it last year and he had a blast with Janelle. And, uh, you know, we hope to have more of you all out there because it's really, really just a wonderful community of people. And um, you know what? I'll probably put together a, a code that we can uh, make sure that you guys share. I think Adam has a code that you guys are sharing right now um, to get a discount. And uh, come join us. It's it's a blast. You know, we camp all weekend. It's June. I believe the race is June 26th, the 28th. Uh, the race actually takes place on the 27th and 28th. But the 26th, you can arrive, set up your tent. We have um, uh, the PG there doing food. So we have hot food available the whole race. You can go to the food truck and buy a hot dog or a burrito or whatever they're cooking up. And uh, they have espresso and all that good stuff. So it's really a great opportunity to just come have fun be with amazing, amazing humans and see how far you can go. Yeah. Last, uh, last year on Sisu, the pink gorilla PG coffee, they actually had a team that participated and we, we interviewed one of the members of the team, uh, because manning the coffee stand, they had to you know, take turns on who's out on trail. But, uh, but that ended up working out to be a great episode that I'm going to actually post in some of the liner notes of this for people yeah. who want to learn a little more about Sisu. 
yeah yeah it was really awesome watching how they uh managed to shuffle their team around and still race and still man the food truck it was so cool i loved it and uh i'm super stoked to have them back because they were a great addition to the event so you do a lot of uh hiking and summiting of different uh mountains and events and whatnot uh I see, you know, in your Facebook profile and your pictures, you're always up on top of something. Um, what are some of your favorite places that you've summited or even just hiked where uh, people should get out there and, and join you? Uh, Mailbox Peak is my number one, <laughs> but not the new trail. I don't really care for the new trail. I'm all about that old trail. Uh, it's the most gritty trail, I think, in the Pacific Northwest that I've found so far because it's about 4,000 gain and two and a half miles up. You are just, just going. And it's this gnarly terrain. Um, and it's so rewarding when you get to the top. You get these amazing views of Mount Rainier. You get amazing views of Seattle. And there's a mailbox up there. And I like to leave little fun things in the mailbox. You know, I've left some Sisu postcards up there. But I also like to create this challenge. So for a period of time when I was working for Spartan, I was traveling around in a travel trailer. I lived in a travel trailer as part of my lifestyle. And during that time, I was going to national parks in between races, you know, just seeing some of the most beautiful sites in America, uh, including like Yellowstone, Yosemite, and some of these other beautiful, beautiful places. And during that time, I would take lots of pictures as a photographer. And uh, so I like to drop sometimes a photo there in that mailbox. And uh, on the back of the photo, I will write something along the lines of very James, or very uh, Mission Impossible, like, you know, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to go to this location and, you know, they'll have to look at the photo and figure it out themselves where it is and, and go take this photo and then re-deliver it to the mailbox after you do. And I've had a couple people do that. And, uh, you know, they're like, oh, this might take me a couple years to get to. But as soon as I get out to Yosemite and, or Yellowstone or wherever, I'm going to take that picture and I'm going to bring it back and continue this thing going. So that's a fun little challenge I like to throw out there. That's my number one favorite for sure. I mentioned Red Mountain a little bit earlier. Uh, I've only done that one actually once last year in the winter. But uh, I want to get back out there during the summer this year because it's a completely different hike in the summer. And it's another one that just got some really, really steep uh, inclines, especially at the very end towards the summit. Uh, I remember getting to the top, turning around and looking down and just being like, oh, boy, I haven't felt fear in about probably half a decade. And this is what fear feels like again. Cool. Um, Now I have to go down this thing and hopefully I'll be okay. (laughs) But um, again, spectacular views that you just can't get anywhere else uh and then i just like the volcanoes out here you know we have some of the biggest volcanoes um and i've got three left that i haven't done on my list um so like they call it the seven summits of the pacific northwest so you have mount rainier which was like the first one i did you got mount shuckson which is right next to mount baker you got uh, and mount baker's also another one you got glacier peak you have mount adams you got mount st helens and you have Mount Hood, and did I say Adams already? I don't think I did. So you got the seven summits. I'm missing three, Glacier Peak, Baker, and uh, Hood, which I'm planning to tackle this year. That's awesome. Yeah, some of those mountains are just beautiful to look at, and even going up to the, the lower parks on them without getting on the trails, it's a, a beautiful view out there. So it's awesome that you get to, to go out and do that. It's a great way to challenge yourself. It's a great way to, to endure Doing doing big mountaineering is um, kind of become my next frontier for endurance, and it's where I feel most happy, challenged because it's just it's it's you against these massive volcanoes, you know, or these massive mountains, these things that were created from the 
you know, plates crashing together early on in Earth's development. And they just stand so, so big above the rest of the world. And one of those things, you see it and you're like, I got to get on top of that. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you like the BeastNet? Do you want to keep hearing it? Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more at BeastNetPod. Back to the book release. You kind of said it at the beginning. It's March 10th. Yeah, um, March 10th. Yeah. And you'll be signing books and selling books and going through the whole new author. I'm the I'm the new guy. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be really fun. Um, I'm going to be signing books. I bought about 100 copies uh, just the other day. I found out that they're going to start arriving at my house on Tuesday this week, which is just really exciting and very surreal. There's been a lot of like, is this real life? Pinch me, you know, type of thing going on here at the house. And um, yeah, we're just going to have a lot of fun trying to, you know, I want to, I want to hear other people's stories. I'll share a little bit from the the book. I'll do a little reading. Probably Uh, I haven't decided if it'll just be a random chapter, if it'll be the prologue, be the prologue. Um, But yeah, we'll do a reading and then uh, author signing uh, giveaway. I'm going to give away a free entry to the CC 24. So you know, someone is going to walk away being able to go do that race. Um, like I said, Cliff Bar is sponsoring the event, which is super awesome. They're sending us a ton of builders bars because uh, in the book, I I mentioned several times how those kind of saved me out there while I was doing the death race and uh, kept me fueled. So super excited to have them helping out. That's awesome. Let's see. Uh, man, because I let you talk the entire time, I think I actually got uh, everything I need for the episode. Very quickly. That was kind of weird. <laughs> you know, done this a couple times. <laughs> yeah, especially when you're when you're interviewing somebody who has their own podcast. Uh, you know, you you have to be very well spoken and uh, very well organized in your thoughts. So, is there any departing words of wisdom that you would like to to get out to the listeners about anything in life, whether it's endurance or Spartan or death race or just being a better person? Yeah, actually I do. So I just read this book recently uh, by Kamal Ravikant and it's called love yourself. Like your life depends on it. And you might be wondering why would a guy like this read a book like this? Well, I'll tell you why, because even though I've done some pretty amazing things and pushed myself to these extremes and everything, like many people, I deal with a lot of internal monologues like kind of talked about and a lot of those internal monologues are not positive right it's uh kind of self-defeating sometimes it's i'm not good enough why would anyone want to read my book why would anyone want to read my listen to my podcast that kind of thing right and so i read this book because i wanted to start believing in myself more and the message in it is super simple love yourself love yourself like your life depends on it because when you start doing that when you start loving yourself the aura that that creates around you, the positivity that you start projecting, it is infectious and it resonates and it's not only helpful to you, but it's helpful to others. The more you can love yourself in a good way, the more you can be a positive influence on the world uh, and you can bring your positive experiences to the world. And so he, he has this one message that he kind of says in there. It's like when you're doing anything in life, um, you have to ask yourself this question. If I loved myself truly and deeply, what would I do? So anytime that you're in a place where you're trying to figure out what you need to do, you know, maybe you're trying to quit drinking alcohol. Maybe you're trying to, you know, get through graduate school. Maybe you're trying to, you know, whatever it is, ask yourself that question and you'll have your answer right away. Because if you loved yourself, 
you do it. And uh, I hope that helps someone out there to, to go do whatever it is that they're dreaming about. Stop dreaming and go do it. Because if you loved yourself, you would. That's an awesome word of advice. Um, for myself, I actually quit drinking almost three years ago. And that's something that, that I just started a secondary podcast on here called Sober Spartans, where we discuss all the people out on the trail that have, that have gone that route and, and how that was their, their go-to is the running part. Yeah, it's a super powerful message. And, uh, you know, I think it helps people with addictions. It helps people with all kinds of different, um, you know, substance abuse, uh, with mental, just mentally defeating thoughts. And if we all just loved ourselves more, I think we could put out a better version of ourselves for the rest of the world. And then we're going to make a better impact. That's awesome. Well, I'd like to, to thank you, Tony, for coming on tonight. Um, of course, this is going to air and beyond before the book release party. And I'm hoping that we'll see a lot of the listeners there. Um, being that uh, I primarily release in the Northwest, there should be a lot of people there. I believe some of the BeastNet team might make it up there. And uh, it's going to be an awesome deal. And I look forward to reading and or listening to your book. Thank you so much, Don, for having me on the show. And thank you, all of the listeners. Uh, I really would love to have all of you there. Let's celebrate together because this is, it's not just about me. It's about all of us who like to endure and like to push ourselves and challenge ourselves. This is all about us. And so I hope you'll come celebrate with me to uh, it's, it's, it's a monumental occasion for me. So thank you. Thank you for the time. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet podcast. If you haven't done it yet, find us on Facebook, like, and share the podcast. Give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. All these things will help to expand the show in the future. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear. Yeah.